You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. My name is Chris Spangle. It is great to have you here with us today. And you know, we've been spending a little bit of time in the first part of this year talking about first principles and what makes a good society. We talk all the time, all the time. Everybody's always talking about the culture wars. And what we try to do here at the We Are Libertarians Network and here on the Chris Spangle Show specifically are talk about some principles that makes society work and function the right way. Uh, how can we avoid some of these culture wars? How can we avoid some of these issues? And how can we have less of the conflict as opposed to capitalizing on it? And Vaughn Sparger, Sparger, right? Sparger. 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 See, uh, I've known, I talk to Vaughn every single day and have for years now. And uh, this is the third fourth time that we've talked uh face to face because it's always just in the wall chat um so i don't know his last name but you guys know i'm bad with names he knows so he's not offended um and maybe he can forgive me because as a path to redemption i will learn how to say it before so we talked vaughn last time uh and you are a pastor correct or you are uh, a pre- yeah i'm an associate pastor okay uh no an associate to the pastor uh, so, uh, so Vaughn uh, and I talked about mercy in January, I believe it was, and we felt that the conversation was a little incomplete because how do you have um, how do you have you can have mercy, right? But like, there's got to be boundaries, and we kind of left it in that conversation where you've got to have your boundaries. But what what does genuine change look like for people that you're dealing with in your life that? Uh, may cause conflict and we felt like talking about a path to redemption or reconciliation and what that might look like would be an interesting conversation and thank you so many of you uh commented and 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 that you enjoyed the conversation and i know you got a few letters did you not i i got one person who contacted me he friended requested me and then sent me a pretty good uh message privately on facebook about how much he enjoyed it yeah, cool. So it always, you know, for people like Vaughn, those no- notes of appreciation are how they get paid. <laughs> uh, so thank you, Vaughn, for coming back on today. Let's talk about what is redemption. So what does that look like? Why is it important? And why are we talking about this? Well, redemption from the biblical perspective is just the idea of to redeem. Um, it, It's the idea of to... um. I don't want to get too into the theological words, but weeds, but redemption is when you pay for when, when the, your wrong has been paid for. So when Jesus, when, according to Christianity, when Jesus Christ died on the cross and died for the sins of the world, he redeemed us from the penalty of that sin. So we were redeemed by that. So redemption is paying for what has been done wrong. Right. And at the end of that, it's over. So once something's been redeemed, once someone's been redeemed, they're no longer held accountable for what they've been redeemed from because the price has been paid. So why can't I just ignore a problem? 
usually I ignore my problems and they go away. It happened with my first marriage. It happens with <laughs> my health issues. Why can't I just uh, ignore a problem and let it go away? If me and this person are are separated or split and there's an argument, then why not just leave it alone? Well, that's a way to create a huge... I mean, on a personal level that robs you of the chance to get a deeper relationship with people because when you go through tough times with someone when you have a struggle with them when you 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 have that difficulty and you work it out together as, as people in a relationship at the end of that you have a stronger relationship some of the strongest marriages i've seen are marriages in which one of them did something horrible and part of the redemption process in involved in that process in in that person redeeming themselves giving for you know repenting of their the the things they did to the other person and then coming back and their marriage ended up being a lot stronger as a result of it because they went through that difficulty together and got through it yeah and i think on a societal level people feel this tension unlike in a time i've ever felt in this country yeah i mean i'm a 37 year old man who's been cognizant for at least 27 of those years i mean and i i guess i just you know look at the tension that exists between people between family members between co-workers it just feels like there's just this uh separation and people don't really necessarily know how to get back to a place to have that reconciliation that we're talking about today yeah and Sometimes it's hard because as we talked about in the mercy level, mercy episode, the first episode we talked about, we can't let people get away with wrong behavior. That's not a part of a functioning society. You can't just let people do whatever they want and harm other people and just like, oh, I guess, oh, well, no, you have to hold people accountable for harming other people, Right. even in a libertarian society. I mean, we would prefer in a libertarian society, the anarchist would prefer Oh, well, societal pressure is what will hold people accountable for their bad behavior. We will use society and we will peer pressure people into doing. We would prefer that than the government coming in and forcing everybody to do right, which is kind of funny because isn't that what cancer culture is? (laughs) Yeah. To an end, in my opinion, the real issue, the real outrage over cancel culture isn't the cancellation part. It's the disagreement over what is and is not acceptable behavior by society. And that definition is changing. And that's why we're having a lot of the problems we're having right now. So by that, you mean, let's say somebody makes a racist statement. Let's take the country singer, for instance. Yeah. Um, the, you know, he loses a contract or he loses a gig or he loses mm-hmm. this or that. And one group of people says he shouldn't suffer consequences for saying the N-word, and then another group says I he absolutely should suffer consequences for saying the N-word. Mm-hmm. And so the division in your mind is not necessarily over the action that he suffered consequences. It's that we can't agree on what is or is not acceptable. Yeah. Basically, one group of people sees what he did as much worse than another group of people. Right. But I recently, a couple days ago, I saw an article where he is begging his support. He said, please stop trying to say what I did was okay. What I did was wrong. Mm. And he has been taking steps to redeem himself. He has met with a number of 
religious and other black leaders in that community to find out why what he did was so wrong. And he has expressed what seems to be legitimate sorrow and upsetness over what he did. And so... No, go ahead. And that, that that's encouraging to me. I'm not going to say he is legitimately sorry because it's hard to know, especially with big public figures like that. But um, I think we should just let see where things go from there. See what the, the people that he has been meeting with say, you know, give them a voice as well. Give them an option. Cause if they say, hey, you know what, I think he's legit. I think he deserves a second chance. Then who are we to stop him? You know, they're the ones who uh, he, who affected, he affected the most with his language. They're the ones he's been talking to, to find out why what he did was so wrong. So give them the chance. They should be the ones that have a part of the say in when he's acceptable to come back. Yeah, I think part of it, we can dwell on cancel culture and, and just the general concept because it started, you know, in 2016, 2017, yeah. where, where it'd be like a journalist who had a tweet 10 years before and would lose his job or a student who tweeted mm-hmm. something ugly when he was a 13 year old and lost his scholarship to Harvard. Like those are legitimately crazy, stupid things. Yeah. You know, and then it gets to a place where Disney cuts ties with. Uh, a person because they said something that they don't like and then the, you know they get another big contract somewhere else well it, but, it, you yeah. know and the, and the disney, argument disney literally cuts people off all the time for much crazier small reasons than that that is disney right and i don't want to dwell on specifics but it's <laughs> sort of like ca- the cancel culture thing has has metastasized to mean yeah. a tremendous amount of things where you know, if you said something racist, like you'd you'd be genuinely sorry for it and and go, well, that's not, you know, who I am and I don't think that thing anymore. Uh, and we've kind of now gotten to a place where I can be racist if I want and you can go F yourself. Um, and yeah, that, that is how a lot of them are. And and, and I guess part- there's there's part of this, too, is like, what do you say to the person who goes, well, why in a free society, why should I care if somebody else is racist, what, you know, so what if they're racist? It's the argument that libertarians always like, if you're a new libertarian, you will get into the argument of is being a racist. Can you be racist and libertarian? Yeah. Which yes. And you, you can, mm. I mean, listen, you can be, you can be, you can hold two opposing viewpoints at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you're not trying to use the state, but the problem with racist is that it always ends up creeping into state power to oppress the people that you're racist against. So well, it's very it hard to be goes, consistent. It also completely goes against the entire reason I'm a libertarian. So for me, I have a hard time reconciling the two. Because for me, libertarianism is about, I uh, just listened to your episode about the dignity of the human. Mm-hmm. And that really spoke to why I am a libertarian is one of the reasons is because I believe every single person is important. Every single person is the same in, in worth. And so I don't believe in otherizing. I believe individuals is what matters. And any time in racism, it's at its very core definition, otherizing. Right. Yeah, it and robs so, people of of dignity and allows you, you you become okay with state power abusing those people. But yeah. not, let's not lose the point because I'm yeah. I'm tired and I'm wondering. But you know, <laughs> we seem to be dividing into two separate cultures now. The Trump yeah. era really like split a wedge between two cultures, and we cannot find what is acceptable behavior like we did maybe ten years ago. 
Yeah. And part of that, of course, is as um, one other podcaster I sometimes listen to, Justin Robert Young talks about, we no longer have a monoculture. Mm-hmm. And part of not having that monoculture is now we're starting to split up. But the truth is cancel culture has been around forever. Just, I mean, Dennis is really good about pointing that out. I mean, in the 90s, Tipper Gore was trying to cancel violent video games. Right. In the 80s, conservative Christians and and some liberals were trying to cancel rap music. We've constantly been trying to cancel things, cancel people for things that they do. Right. The problem now is just we disagree with the reasons. And part of the cancel... Well, I, I wouldn't say that. I would say that it's it's flipped. Like, I think the country, you know, when the Dixie Chicks were getting canceled for being yeah. anti-war, the country was more center-right than it is now, yeah. where it's a little more center-left. And the, the politics, and I, I would say that the predominant culture, yeah, the is, predominant culture is more center-left, you know. And so they they have – they're abusing their power in the way that the Bushies abused their power 25 years ago. And and part of it, as I think about it, is they want they don't see these people having ever suffered consequences for their actions. They right. said that racist thing ten times ago. They never suffered any consequences, so they want them to suffer consequences. Right. And there is a point to the justice behind that, but there also we do. There needs to be a way to say, okay, they've suffered their consequences. That's done. Yeah. So, for instance, let's say a. Uh, uh, high profile person um i don't know take your pick race or me, me too mel gibson right you know so mel gibson <laughs> you know comes out and says anti-semitic things and clearly has he some was, anti-semitic beliefs. yeah absolutely had a lot of his contracts now then uh, reinhold also makes this point yeah, he was canceled. He's, He's uh, canceled at the time, but you know, all these people that get canceled just go work somewhere else. Like you can still watch Alex Jones. Yeah. But it's it's still the principle of the thing. And I think that's the I would agree with you is that it is hard to know because there's there's different cultures where we're as you said, we're disagreeing over what is an ex- and is not accepted behavior by society at large. And while I would say we don't have a monoculture, we do have a hegemonic um media system where you yeah. do have two you know as many media outlets as there are there there are fairly everybody's talking about the same thing for all the railing against oh there'll never be another mash finale um but i would say that um my my point's kind of gotten lost i'm sorry uh so the you know we're arguing over what is and is not acceptable behavior yeah but we're also arguing I think conservatives are saying, listen, where's the path out? Because yeah, and that is a good question. Er- eradication can't be the path, right? If no. somebody said something racist now or 25 years ago, there there has to be a path out. Like there's a, a, a race car commentator named Derek Daly who was quoted. Um, <laughs> so here's this story. This is the craziest story because I, I did a little work for Derek. <laughs> nice guy. Yeah. He's a commentator. He was a Scottish driver in, like, the mid-'70s. And so he says something on the air where he used the the N-word, but in over there it meant something different than it meant here at the time. Mm. Well, two people are telling each other this story in the presence of someone who was offended by the story, went to HR. Those two guys get fired. Derek Daly then gets fired. And... There's 
there was no path to redemption. Like it was a 25 year old incident that didn't yeah. have intent behind it. And three high profile people lost their job. And there was never any kind of like, what's the, what's the path to redemption here? You know? And so that's where I would say we all kind of need to negotiate because I don't believe racist behavior in any way, shape or form is acceptable. I think me yeah. too has been largely helpful to society in a lot of ways. But there also has to be a way to adjudicate this stuff in public that gives the guilty or, or the accused, I should say, a chance to prove their innocence or guilt, but then also a path to redemption or restoration, yeah. if you will. Yeah, so how does do that believe, work? I do believe there, there definitely needs to be a way for people to be, re, to, to be put back into the good graces of society because what you don't want to do is you don't want to create – a strong embittered minority of people because they become dangerous. When people feel like there's no way to be accepted back into society, they became irrational and do crazy things. Do you ever, do you remember Killdozer? How could I forget? I have a <laughs> poster on my wall. <laughs> and we, we, all libertarians often hold him up as this hero. But what happened was he felt that he was wronged by the government and every attempt that he had to get that wrong redressed was shut down because the government it was this small little local government that was run like a like a a tyrant and he just literally got nothing and they destroyed his entire life and he got desperate made that kill dozer it was a suicide mission he knew it was a suicide mission and his goal was just to destroy as much stuff as possible before they killed him yeah because he had nothing left same with the guy who blew up the bomb in nashville and I'm not saying that those guys were canceled, but that is the kind of stuff people do when they feel like they are desperate, when they feel like there's nothing else. I mean, there's a great book called Why Young Men, where um, Giovanni, I think his name, uh, I forget his name, but he writes basically about terrorists and gang members, and now you could fit the alt-right in there, or you have you know, a, a large you know, the incel crowd, right? Like there's there's a yeah. whole group of men that feel disconnected from society. You look yeah. at the school shootings, mass shootings, like a lot of these guys kind of fit in that. Yeah, um, they do. How, how do you bring those people back into society to give them some hope so they can be productive members of society? A job and economic growth is, in my mind, the best way to do it. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it also takes people reaching out to some of the lonelier people and making some efforts yeah. to build community. Yeah. And, you know, I know some libertarians will, of course, blanch at this, but there is a great biblical example of what we're talking about when it comes to a path of redemption. If you read the book of First Corinthians in chapter 5, Paul had to deal, Paul was writing the letter partially to tell them that they needed to deal with the situation that was going on in their church. There was a man in their church, a member of good standing, who was having relations with his stepmother he was treating he which was by the way her, basically listen guys that is actually immoral <laughs> despite yes. your search history and, and that's in the i mean this is was a real situation that was happening in the church at corinth and paul told the church that they couldn't tolerate this behavior because it was making a mockery of the church in the eyes of everyone around and they needed to kick him out but it wasn't just because it was making a mockery it was also because it needed to send him a message that what he was doing was wrong. 
Yeah, I think Christians or people would tend to think, all right, let's love this person through it. But if the behavior doesn't stop, then there has to be consequences yes. for people to understand there, there's there's limits. And then if you read 2 Corinthians, which we're pretty sure was written somewhere between six months to 12 months later, Paul's writing, and it's pretty clear the church at Corinth actually did what Paul told them because Paul wrote back to the church, and in chapter 2, he's telling them, you need to forgive him. He's repented of the sin. He stopped doing the thing and you need to let him back into the church. You need to forgive him. And Paul actually gives two, he gives more than two reasons, but these are the two that really um, stick out to me in in this conversation is number one, so that he is not overtaken by sorrow. Hmm. And that's what we were just talking about. People that, that come to the point where they don't think there's anything left. And then also so that Satan wouldn't gain a foothold in his life or in the church because of their unforgiveness. You see, he had fixed the problem that led them to cancel him. And so now that he had fixed that problem, it was time to forgive him and let him back in the church. Now, that doesn't mean that he gets to go back to doing everything that he was doing before he left. He has to earn the right to get back into some of those things that he was doing. He has to earn the respect. He is basically starting back from ground zero. He's got to earn all that respect, all that honor that he used to have that he lost. He's got to earn that back. Right. But there has to be a point where you say, you know what? We forgive you. You can come back. And that's what that biblical illustration is now. Well, and let's uh, let's break that down because there's two sides to that. Right. There's the group. There's the group dynamics that enforce the group rules. Yep. And then there's also the the reaction of the man. Right. So. I don't want to do this. Who are you people to tell me what? I, and I'm sure all that happened, right? Like, oh, yeah. who, who are you I'm to sure tell me? what? Who, who do you think you are? You know, go around town. Well, I'm going to tell you about Sally and what she's up to because they're, you yeah. know, I'm embarrassed. And so I'm going to put other people down. But they're, you know, after that period of hurt, both sides have to be willing to lay down their pride and yeah. approach the subject. And sometimes you have to be willing to not back down with someone you love because they did something wrong. You have to make sure they understand, no, that's wrong. And no, but it's fake news. The New York times just makes up things. The left is listen that you can't tell me what to do because the New York times (laughs) does it too. Andrew Cuomo. So therefore I can get away with whatever I want. That doesn't, you know, and this has been my point about him all along because I'm trying to avoid the use of the name anymore. Um, is that it's the exact opposite of what I believe in terms of what we're talking about, right? Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have cheated on my eight-month pregnant wife with that porn star. Yeah. And then come and pretended that I'm a Christian in front of you. Like, there's yeah. no no person in your life that if they behave the way that he does, you, you, you'd have a hard time reconciling yourself with that person yeah. because there's and- never a, re- a redemption, there's no reconciliation, there's... Yeah. And so many people just have adopted the idea that shame is dead. There's no reason for you to tell me how I ought to live. I'm a victim of you trying to cancel me because I just want to live whatever way I want and do whatever I want to do. And that's not that's not the Christian worldview, and that's not yeah. really the way that America is set up in a free society. No, and but I mean, and and we've been mainly mainly focusing on how the left isn't forgiving enough, and. Th- in some ways that's a bit unfair because they're kind of reacting to the hypocrisy that they see within much of the right as well. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you know, all these people talking about, Oh, 
you know, they won't forgive this person for that crime, but they look past what certain people do because, oh, they're good people, you know, and that hypocrisy makes the people on the other side be like, well, then why should I give you any grace? You're willing to overlook that horrible thing they're doing. You're not willing to stand up to them. So you don't really care about those things. You don't really think that actually matters. And the truth is we live in a very vindictive society. The U.S. is very much about vengeance, and it's both sides. I mean, people want blood, and they view anybody different than themselves in the enemy, and they don't have compassion for others. And the, one of the greatest examples of how that is true is just look at our criminal justice system right now. Right. I mean, the tough on law crimes of the 90s is one example where we just want to throw the book at anybody who does anything wrong. One thing that kind of annoys me is I hear all these old old guys sitting around and they're talking about all the crazy things they did as a kid and all i can think is man if someone did that today you'd want them in jail for the rest of their life Mm -hmm. right why why aren't we showing them the same grace that was obviously shown you and also the whole um convicted felons you know it is insane how difficult it is for someone who comes out of prison to return to society right now yeah absolutely insane um sarah's done a lot of good work on that Um, sarah brady wagner yes um that'd be a really good conversation to have about that eventually but we have to as a society get away from trying to punish people forever for everything for everything they've done and ultimately that starts with the individual once again we ended last time talking about our individual responsibility to show mercy in our lives and I think that's true with this as well. You know, we talked about how we can't force others to do right, but we need to do what is right ourselves, reach out and show compassion and mercy to others. And this area is also one that we can do that in, in giving people a path to redemption. Um, do you have anything to say about that? No, no. Yeah. Okay. And what this... Preach, this, preach, this, preach. No, this is this was really powerful for me. A friend of mine... Um, I'm not going to give too many details because I don't want to dox anybody, but a friend of mine owns a small business and one of our classmates from high school was getting out of prison. He had done some not so good things. He went to prison for a while and he was getting out. And this friend of mine drove to the prison, picked him up, said, you're working for me. You don't even know how to do this job. I'm going to train you, but you're working for me. And that man who has a felony record is now a productive member of society because somebody gave him a chance. Right. He saw the dignity that that person and respect that that person was due. Yeah. And that like, I think that is not the normal ending of a guy getting out of prison. People often focus on the utilitarian view of a person and their worth. And this is a big key to our society what's, what's the first thing you ask when you walk up to somebody oh what do yeah. you do what's yeah. your role in society how do you offer value to our society and that a person who is who has suffered some setbacks or comes from a, a place that doesn't offer many opportunities they always need like if you take you know go back to miss pat's story you know miss pat was a drug dealer and she talks about in her great book rabbit the few people that saw her dignity and worth reached out, extended a hand, and pulled her 
out of a, and taught her differently and showed her different ways, but they never would she never would have gotten to where she's at now, where she offers a great amount of benefit to society. Yeah. Um, if it hadn't been for those people seeing her dignity and, and worth from the very beginning. And, and, and that dignity isn't by giving her everything she needed or she thought she needed at the time. It's just like this friend of mine, you know, he didn't just take care of this guy. He gave him a way to take care of himself. Right. Because, you know, when you get out of prison, it is hard to find a job. It is extremely hard to find a job. It's extremely hard to find a place to live. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got a felony. Most places won't rent to you. Most places won't give you a job. And yet, as soon as this guy got out of prison, he had a job because someone that he knew said, you know what, I'm going to give you another chance. Yeah. I mean, just looking past the utilitarian view of what people offer to society in terms of productive value, but seeing every single person just as a person worthy of dignity, love, respect, even the people that you find to be the most grotesque. You know, and I, I think that's why it's hard to have a functioning free society built around racism, for instance, because yeah. you deny the very values of a large group of people that that make a functioning society work, which is yeah. dignity, love, respect, honor. Yeah. You know, and, and how do you have a, a a voluntary society built on that level of distrust? You can't. And part of it, we, and this is what I was just trying to focus with that illustration is we need to reach out. We need to be offering people a path of redemption. Sometimes they're not going to take it, but we need to give people that second chance as individuals. I'm not telling other people. I'm saying each of us individually, let's stop worrying about what society does as a whole. Let's start worrying about what each of us individually does, because that's what builds societies. It's not Everybody's saying, oh, well, everyone needs to do this. No, it's each individual person doing it. And if it, each individual person does what they're supposed to do, eventually things will become better in societies. If each person reaches out and shows that redemption, shows that forgiveness, helps people when they need help. You know, um, parole, I mean, just look at all, all these people we have in our nation right now, just getting all these convicted felons, and they don't have a chance to get back into society. They don't have a way. It's so difficult for them to become a part of society. And we need to be looking out for them and seeing if we can give them that chance. I mean, to go into the Christian world, I listened to this um, yeah. podcast with a pastor of Omega Church, and he, I think, cheated on his wife and had a drinking problem. And they removed him from the pulpit and you know, he got himself clean and help, and he said, I want to be a pastor still. I'm still called to this. Well, and everybody's like, uh, no. <laughs> yeah, no. But um, but he went through this this series of things that the church had put together, you know, this restoration process mm-hmm. and in ways to build trust, you know. And there's a, um, you know, and I see these some of these mega pastors who have kind of fallen from grace who get a new church, and there are some that you can tell are very unrepentant. Yeah. Uh, that went from Seattle to Arizona, for instance. Uh, and then there are some who are, uh, you know, like I think Perry Noble's a guy that had a drinking problem and, and grew like the biggest church in America from one of the Carolinas and has a new church and has somewhat like said, no, we're going to 
he he shows all the ways that he messed up and has has made it very yeah. clear so he builds trust with people again because mm-hmm. he's gone through these processes of restoration where yeah. the people that he hurt said to him here is how you can build trust with me again yeah but he and, had to be humble and say i know i've hurt you how can i restore this relationship and that's where it begins yeah and and part of a path to redemption is the people you hurt are the ones that need to be involved. Yeah. And that's why when we were talking about that uh, country singer, that's why I, I said it's very important. Those people that he's been talking to about why what he did was wrong. They're the ones who need to be setting the terms for what that path of redemption looks like. And most of them are more than willing to give him that path. The truth is most people in our society aren't the ones that aren't. They're like, nope, nope, never, ever again. You can never be forgiven. Yeah. That's not the majority of people. Right. As Brian loves to say in the chat, the 10, 10, 80 rule, you know, mm-hmm. you got 10% of crazies on one side, 10% of crazies on the other side and 80% normal people. Yeah. And most of us and most people, but we, we just listen to the loud people and we need to stop listening to the loud people. Yeah. No, I think that's where it comes down with the cancel culture stuff. Like make the world a better place by just not feeding into some of this BS. Like tra- yeah. tra- there's like a million trans people in the United States. But if you listen to podcast world on the right, trans issues are taking over the country and they're turning yeah. all your kids trans. It's like, like ignoring it will make it good. Like these, in a lot of ways, some of these kids in high school, it's like when I was, when we were in school, it's like the goth kids. Yeah. You know, where it's like, I just want to be noticed. Well, notice them, but in a positive way that like helps them feel better about their self-esteem as opposed to freak free you yeah. know I, I i think sometimes the when you watch the cancel culture stuff people nutpick they take the furthest extreme of something yep. pretend that everybody is doing this thing and the left is coming to get you because of this small example or the right is all racist because of this one example and people paint with a broad brush and that's you know it breeds distrust in society yeah and part of building that trust up again is we need to make sure we are individually trustworthy. Right. All right. Well, final thoughts. Vaughn. Um, my, my final thoughts are just, we need to stop worrying as much about everyone else and start worrying about ourselves. That's really, I, I don't know if you're starting to notice this theme, but I think it's probably something I'm going to focus on every time I'm on one of your, every time you have me guest ho- or co-host is we need to stop, talking and start doing as individuals we need to start acting showing mercy helping people who have been fallen down giving them a path of redemption giving them a way back while not excusing what they did giving them a way to return to the normal society cool but i'm just gonna screech until the other side changes how they're doing things because i I don't trust them so i'm just going to keep screaming at them to change their behavior and i'm not going to do anything I short circuited okay. him. <laughs> no, I'm. I, I was having internet problems there for a oh. second, so I'm not sure what you heard and what I heard there. Oh, that's okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, if people want to ask questions of you, how can they do that? How can they get a hold of you? Well, the Wall Group is a great place to do it. Um, Walnuts on Facebook, uh, or they could look me up on Twitter. I can't. I think my handle is Sungar. I'm not sure. I'd have to look it up. I don't really pay attention. You're like the worst self-promoter ever. 
I know I am. No, but yeah, no, if, if they're in the Facebook group, Walnuts, I'm one of the admins. So I'm easy to look up. All right. Also, if they do look me up on Facebook, I'm the only person on Facebook with my name. Literally the only person. <laughs> I don't know how that works. Well, Vaughn isn't exactly like the most popular name. And Sparger is like even more. What is that like? Like It's, it's like it's Dwight Schrute. <laughs> well, it's a Americanized version of a german swiss name (laughs) (laughs) all right cool thank you so much vaughn i appreciate it yep thank you for listening to the chris spangle show and we will talk to you again soon